Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay, and I am really excited to be here once again with the one and only Mark Geisbauer. Uh, I don't think you want more than one, but thanks for having me. (laughs) I will say, I did get to meet perhaps the closest to the second uh, this this past couple of weeks. And your father, your dad was here on Sunday. Yes, he was. He's been here uh, for a couple of weeks now. They're going to stay until Monday and then they're going to fly back to Germany. But yeah, um, it is scary when you see yourself and your parents, <laughs> you know, uh, reminds me of that. What's that one commercial that like, you know, you've finally become, um, you know, um, young homeowners becoming like their parents. Apparently that has happened to me. Oh, yeah. I will. I will say when you introduced your dad to me at the Global Leadership Summit, I I, I, you, you might not have had to introduce, you know, because I, I think I would have known. It was he's, obvious. Yeah, well, he's a very sweet man, but also you guys just look just like each other, and um, it's awesome. Well, I take that as a, as a huge compliment because I have the highest respect for him. I'm really grateful for my parents and all that I've done for me. So I, I, I take that as a high-value high compliment. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I, I, I wanted to ask a couple questions at the beginning because – as we're uh, thinking about this past Sunday, obviously you were, you were preaching, we're moving forward in the book of Luke, yep. and we had this uh, story of the paralytic. And uh, I remember you made a comment in your sermon where you said, hey, I'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction than maybe you've heard before, which, for the record, can be a really refreshing way to approach the text. I, I know, um, you know, when you've been in the text quite a lot, I, I'm, you know, even when I was in high school, I used to play games where I tried to fill out, I tried to guess, you know, all the blanks, and I tried, I, you know, I would, I would listen, listen really closely to Pastor Jim, and I'd be like, I think I know where he's going with this, and I would see yep. if I could like finish it. Um, and so, you know, taking a different approach uh, or or coming at it from a different angle can be very refreshing and yeah. helpful to learning. And so, uh, you know, we're in this soundtracks series as we're seeing. Jesus interact with people's thought lives as we're seeing Jesus correct thinking yeah. uh, because Jesus cares about what we think about ourselves and others, which is, I think, really profound. Absolutely. But I also felt like I got to learn a lot about you in the sermon. <laughs> and so, like, how did you hear the Barbie soundtrack, for example? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> now, I do have two beautiful girls, but looking back, truthfully, um, the better example probably should have been the Super Mario, like, uh, Peaches song that oh. one of the characters sings, because truly that has probably been on our playing at our Alexa house ever so often. And, you know, and I will actually break out singing this in front of my girls. So that's awesome. It's uh, probably more than you wanted to know, but yeah. <laughs> and I, so. What what did, do you do? You have a specific instance. So you obviously you're talking about winning at Uno. Yeah. Like, do you remember a specific instance where you should have let someone else win, but you just couldn't? Yeah, I mean, um, most specifically with my girls for sure. Um, you know, I think they have been the brunt of it. Um, and I actually, it's funny now. I can see it in my daughters the competitive nature as well. Which yeah. I have to apologize to them. Um, I even did on Sunday because I'm like, I know this is completely my fault and my mess up in parenting, you know. 
but it's not all bad either. Like I think that's what's going to make them uh, in, in some ways successful in life because they are going to you know work hard at it. They're not going to give up easily. And so, um, you know, but yeah, pretty much all my life, um, you know, I, I've always been a very, very competitive by nature. I mean, my background is in sports and professional sports and they're winning is everything. Yeah. Um, you know, but I also know the danger that comes with that because a lot of times then people put their identity in winning. And one of the reasons why you're going to see professional athletes cry after games when they lose mm. is not because they lost the game because they know there's going to be another one next week, but, but they feel like they are not worth anything They're They've lost that identity because winning is so closely affiliated with that. Mm. And it took me some years and some wisdom and, um, you know, some guidance by my wife and, and loving correction, um, you know, <laughs> to realize that. And so... Now I'm I'm still competitive. Don't get me wrong. I still want to win, but I also have the ability to step back and say, okay. But even if I lose, that doesn't take away from who I am. Yeah, I love that, and I love, and I have seen you know as we've gotten to know each other over how how long have you been with Open Door? It's been almost a year and a half. Wow, man! And and obviously you're the executive pastor for yes. anybody who who's not you know hasn't hasn't met you yet or that sort of thing. Well, I've, I, and I've definitely seen uh, that drive, but also that that kindness, mm -hmm. and so it's it's been really really great to sit under your leadership. So thank you, I appreciate that. So so when we think about soundtracks, um, you know, Pastor Jim is the one who is setting a little bit of the uh, the the direction of our preaching series calendar, Correct. and so you know that maybe this wasn't your uh, idea originally. But can you tell us a little bit, what do you love about this concept, this approach? And uh, because, you, you know, you've obviously spent some time thinking about it and working towards this. So, you know, what, what is it that you love about focusing a little bit on soundtracks? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and it's truly been even preparing for this message uh, has probably been one of the most exciting um, lead up times because I've the reason why I'm passionate about the topic is because I see people struggling, mm. uh, people that love Jesus, people that are, you know, uh, have a strong faith, but for whatever reason, they're still carrying baggage. And I feel like a lot of times people are walking around with backpacks full of garbage that other people have placed on them and it's wearing them down. And I've mm -hmm. seen that. And even just following up after the message on Sunday, I've had so many people talk to me about just kind of some of the things that they're wrestling with. And, um, and I was excited on one side to saying, man, I can't wait for God to, at least help them relieve some of that or begin a journey where they can stop making these soundtracks change, you know? Um, but then at the same time, I felt the pressure of man, like I, I really feel the weight of that as well. And I want to make mm. sure that God is honored in how we talk about this, because again, like there's a plenty of options the world will offer you. They're going to throw books and podcasts at you. You know what I mean? Like to say, Oh yeah, as long as you're strong enough, as long as you work yeah. hard enough at it, but that's not what we're talking about. In fact, you know, as you mentioned in my mentor, it's like, it's all about surrendering for me. And so um, I've been excited to talk about soundtracks because I think it's something that some people may not even be aware of hmm. that they're carrying um, and then pointing them back to Jesus, you know, is, is the way to go. Yeah, I love that. I, I, um, when I was in college, I, there was a, I had a pastor who was mentoring me who, who said to me, one of the most dangerous, it was so, such an interesting conversation. He was saying, we do so much damage to people, not only by, and what I'm latching onto is your image of you've got this backpack full yeah. of things that other people put on you. We do so much damage to one another, not only by the negative things that we say to one another, but also when we affirm one another. So like when joy comes to me and she's feeling upset, mm -hmm. 
the first thing I reach for is, oh no, you're you're great. You're doing a good job. You're a great person, and yeah. you know you're a wonderful wife, and all these sorts of things, which I believe are true. Mm-hmm. And yet, what I'm doing in those moments is I'm solidifying to her that her identity is in performance, yeah. doing a good job, all these sorts of things, rather than saying, you know what, those things that you're worried about even if they were true are not the end of the world because your identity and your safety and your, your sense of belonging in this household is not contingent upon your performance. And, uh, it's, it's all because of Christ and it's because of what he's done. So like even the, the crazy thing is, you know, when we, when we go to affirm someone or comfort them, are we, are we reaffirming these negative soundtracks in refer, you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like absolutely such a, and I that blew my mind because a hundred percent, I did that all the time for people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I totally agree with you. This is a massive, massive thing that is life altering incrementally over over the course of time. Correct. Yeah, I think that's the other part. I think you bring up a good point of saying it's it's you know people have been struggling with this for so long and they've been telling themselves these lies over and over mm-hmm. that you know I think we live in a society where we just want quick fixes. We're like, oh yeah, just you know, I listen to this podcast and everything's going to be fine afterwards. But like you said, it's it's a journey. It's a process, step by step, reminding yourself of your identity. You know what I mean? And and finding ways to continue to look to Jesus and how he sees you versus how other people see you or how you think other people see you. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just an ongoing thing where people just need to go on that journey and, and be aware of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, uh, you, you, you mentioned, uh, this supporting scripture out of second Corinthians yes. 10, uh, that has that language. That's so many of us know and love about taking every thought captive. And you gave us, some really powerful illustrations of that on Sunday, but, but I wondered, could you speak a little bit more to what, what it means to take every thought captive captive? Because I I think we can get really familiar with that phrase and even like (laughs) use it as, um, you know, very like Christianese type of language. Like, Oh, well we got to take every thought captive. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard it used that way. And so like, what does, when we talk about that, what does that really mean and how can we do it? Yeah, uh, great question. I think, um, yeah, it is definitely a risk. You know, the more you hear something, the more you listen to a story, it just becomes white noise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it is a tall order. You know, it's like, it reminds me of the summer when Jesus, you know, sets up all these new rules and everybody looks at them and like, there's no way I can live up to this. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I think to me, it's more of a journey, um, you know, to continue to remind ourselves of the truth, of how see Jesus sees us, of, you know, um, of where our identity lies with him. And, um, to me, you know, I do this very practically um, all the time um, where, you know, I do leave myself different reminders at different things because I know my mind will take me to the negative in itself and mm-hmm. by itself. And so I try to remind myself of how God sees me. You know, where is my identity? How does he do that? And so, you know, that's as simple as sticky notes all over the place, um, you know, <laughs> to, um, you know, I have stickers in my car and, you know, um, just because I know how easy that can happen, um, you know, and so it's it's not about just reminding yourself all the time, you know, but just really being mindful of our thought life as well and making sure we recognize the things we think about, you know? Um, Cause again, a lot of times that happens so unconsciously is that if we don't pause for a moment and recognize that, I think we're missing out on some opportunities where God can guide us on the right path. Yeah. I, I was listening to um, 
a podcast on my way here actually where there was a neurosurgeon talking and you know, it, it's a, he, he was a believer and he was talking with a, a theologian and he said that five to one when we're not directing our thoughts, our thoughts will be both negative and generally untrue, yep. which you touched on in your message. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And this is this is important for us to pause and to be intentional. And I love the way that you illustrated that intentionality, mm-hmm. but also that sort of like replacing it with the with what God says about you yeah. with that uh, graphic where mm-hmm. you like one by one you went and answered all these narratives that are so true in people. And I saw several people pulling out their phones and taking pictures. I don't know. I, I wondered from your perspective, like, did you see like a, this sea of phones popping up? Because I, I, <laughs> I think, I think people were um, really engaging with that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's just a practical way of reminding ourselves, you know, and a lot of mm-hmm. times I'm like, well, I, I know what I'm thinking is wrong, but I don't know what to replace it with. And so, yeah, it's been funny. Um, I did see some people put out that picture then I encouraged that. I love that part about it. Cause I know a lot of times, you know, because our thought life takes us away, as soon as we leave that room, there's a good chance we're not going to think about it again. And so right. I want to do that. But I also love the fact that, yeah, actually, I've had a number of people reach out to me afterwards, like, hey, can you send me the slide? Can you, you know, uh, talk that through? And so if anybody listening and wants to have a copy of it, just let me know. And I love to get it to them um, because I do think it just takes that intentionality. And and again, I wanted to make sure that it's biblical based. It's not my thoughts. It's not what I think is right or how mm-hmm. I see people. You know, I'm a positive person by nature, but I, you know. But I wanted to make sure that people knew, no, this is right out of Scripture. This is not Mark Eisbar speaking. This is God seeing you this way. Absolutely. And that's where I know we've gotten feedback as well about people loving the comment, differentiating what we're talking about from some common self-help practices, which, you know, self-help is not, um, you know, we're not going to be like, Oh, you know, you're wrong for wanting to be healthy, right? That's not that we understand the heart behind self-help things. Uh, But we, we recognize that there's a limit to how much we can help ourselves and that we desperately need Jesus to help us. Yeah. And so can you, you know, even could you speak to as we're, as we're thinking about taking thoughts captive and replacing it, these sorts of things. um, I, I do think it's helpful to, make it really clear this is not simply positive thinking because i you know i remember even being in high school and interacting with some friends that i had who they were taught every morning you wake Mm -hmm. up you look yourself in the mirror and you say to yourself things like i am successful i'm good looking everyone likes me and you're supposed to like repeat these things to yourself almost as like a mantra and that's that is, you know, when we talk about self-help, that's like one of the things that we you know, might might think about as really common mm-hmm. because people recognize, man, we, we you know, they recognize all the same stuff we're talking about, about all the negative thinking and all the destruction that that causes. And, and so many people today have such a low sense of self-efficacy, mm-hmm. such a low sense of, man, I really can't do anything. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a victim. I'm trapped. And, uh, and it's a lot of times that's the, these compounding narratives. So how, you know, how is it different than just standing up and looking yourself in the mirror and being like, I'm a good person. People like me. Yeah. What, you know, what, what are we 
getting at that's different than that. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, and you're right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with self-help per se. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of, I mean, I've read a number of books that are, you know, um, that are helping you trying to be a better person. And that's not bad by nature, but I think we're missing the point. And we're missing a lot of times in those books, the core and truthfully, some of the Christian books miss it too. I, you know, um, mm -hmm. is because I think it it starts with a transformation. Um, you know, it starts with Jesus at the center. Um, you know, and He's the one that's changing our hearts. You know, we our role is to surrender um, and to look to Him. You know, and so that starts first with a relationship with Him. You know, so if anybody doesn't have that relationship, you know, um, then obviously you're gonna miss out, and then all the best helps in the world isn't gonna help you in your eternity and and how you know, and so. Um, inviting him into that process is key. And I think that's the foundation that, yeah, the self-help books, I think, you know, um, help in, in like little areas here and there. But unless Jesus is in the center and he's the one we look to and he's the one that we want to become more like, um, nothing's going to change, you know. And, and, that, and we're missing the core thing in the center that is causing a lot of those, you know, uh, problems. And we're missing the solution if we don't look at Jesus. Right, right, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and so when it, when it comes to our soundtracks, mm -hmm. I know for, you know, in my life, the, the first time I was introduced to this concept was in middle school health class mm. <laughs> of all places. And, uh, they talked about self-talk as was the conversation. And, and I was blown away because even at a young age, I really, really struggled with my self-talk. Uh, and shame and, and all these sorts of things. And I remember being so frustrated because all I wanted to do was to be like, okay, well, let's just take that, you know, cassette tape out of my mind, put it on the table, find the wrong spots, erase it, write in the right things and put it back in. Yeah. But it's like, I, I felt like it was so hard. You, you know, like there, I, I felt like I couldn't grab those thoughts directly i you know it wasn't as yeah. as easy as just taking some white out and fixing what was going on um you know these were like deep-seated mm -hmm. things going on that i was thinking and feeling and so um like on on the one hand i think yes you know re you know reading the scriptures that answer your biggest questions and doubts about yourself yeah. is powerful because there's power in god's word and there's power in meditating on it. Yeah. But, you know, I also want to recognize, you know, that there's, there's more that goes into it mm -hmm. than just thinking the right things. Yeah. Be, be, and in some ways, because it's hard to touch, it, it's hard to just <laughs> choose to think the right things. You know, there's so much that goes into what we think and, and how we respond to things. Yeah. And that, that's actually one of the reasons I love, um, this story of the paralytic mm -hmm. is because, you know, the paralytic was a, 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 the kind of a guy or Matt, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I heard hilarious. you not call out Matt's name. I do want to call you out on that. So. <laughs> I just wanted to see. Oh man! In hindsight, I I wanted to like stage a coup in that moment <laughs> of being like like tell everybody on the way into second service right, he's going to ask you to yell out a name everyone yell out george just like every you know just for fun but <laughs> that would have been funny um you know Matt, yeah you know the the paralytic he's in this place where he he can't mm -hmm. simply get you know the solution is simple go to jesus yeah but he 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 can't do it 
And um, and so he has these friends who come around him. You know, which you you pointed out, they're actually called just men. men some men. Yeah. But um, you know, I prefer my VeggieTales version. I understand. <laughs> His his friends pick him up yeah. and carry him, or at the very least, people in his community pick yeah. him up and carry him to Jesus. And so, the question I want to ask you is: either in your own life, or in theory, or in the in the lives of the people that you've seen, how can community mm-hmm. help us to address the deep things that we think and believe about ourselves that are so damaging? Yeah, the answer to me is simple. I don't think you can unless you're in community. Mm. Um, I think community is an important and valuable piece in that whole conversation, you know, because um, if we, you know, if we try something by ourselves, you know, if, we're, if we recognize that this is a battle and this is a war that's going on, nobody's going to go to war by themselves. Like, you know what I mean? You need people around you um, because there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be things that, you know, you need to process with somebody. There needs to be some accountability, truthfully, uh, just to help you on that process and keep you on track, um, you know, and just, Human nature is, you know, if I know someone is going to ask me to do something, you know, um, or if I make a statement saying, hey, Clay, you know, you know, in the next two weeks, I'm going to go to the gym every day, you know, just as a silly example. Um, And I know you're going to ask me two weeks from now, I'm so much more inclined to actually go because, you know, I don't want to look bad in front of you. And so there's a lot of benefits of doing that in community and to Mm. coming together. And I think a lot of times, um, especially as it as we're wrestling with our own minds. Um, it's so easy just to think about yourself and, you know, and I think we're just truthfully too close to our own issues at times. And mm-hmm. so we don't see it. So that's why I think it's just valuable to be honest and vulnerable with people that are trustworthy, that obviously point you back to Jesus, um, you know, um, but also to be able to have those conversations and to get their wisdom. And so, you know, I have some people in my life that I know no matter what, like I give them full permission to ask any question into my life that they want. Um, and I know that if I'm struggling with something, they're the first ones I call and say, Hey, can you hold me accountable? Can you help me see this from a different perspective? Because yeah. I want to make sure that I understand and see that. And then I know in times where I'm struggling, those are also the same people I can reach out to and say, Hey, just like, you know, just like Matt and as his friends, you know, Hey, can you help me pull me back to Jesus? Because everything in myself is going to try to, uh, run away right now. And so, you know, so I think, yeah, we, we can't do it alone. And I think it's crucial for us to bring other people into that journey. Now, you want to be careful not to bring everybody in. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a risk where we just start talking about ourselves all the time and our problems, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. find some close friends, find some mentors, find a counselor, you know what I mean? The people that are professionals at this um, to truly help you on that journey, I think is is absolutely crucial if you mm-hmm. want to really make an impact and start removing some of those soundtracks in our minds. Yeah, I, I laugh because you just perfectly described me my sophomore year of college where I, or what, more like my freshman year, but... I was so ha- having so much trouble dealing with some of these kinds of things that I was just the way that I say I was emotionally vomiting on everyone yep. and it just was messy and gross and unnecessary <laughs> and and it was coming from this place of being like I need help. Yeah. I ne- like I need help and I don't know what to do. But um it was you know I was oversharing to try to get a response out of people. And it was not, it was, it was a little, it was a little too surface level. You know, it was, it was just not ultimately helpful. Yeah. Whereas, you know, opening up with my spouse or opening up with my roommate or a trusted friend, um, in the, you know, behind closed doors in the context of, 
you know, I'm, I'm really struggling and, and I'm noticing that it's, it's having a big impact on my life. And I just, I need to talk about it. Um, those I, I, you know, so many, what I feel like were life changing conversations, both for me and for others where you, you know, Hey, let's close the door. Let's sit down, you know, start from the beginning kind yeah. of st- kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just think relationships because w- what I've noticed is I can tell myself the right answer a million times, but, um, to hear it from someone else sometimes just cuts right to the heart. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think definitely relationships can help us to address some of those deep thoughts. And there's another thing I actually want to talk about, which was in your, in your, uh, conclusion as you were talking about action steps. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it used to be the case that, or well, and it still is that people will teach you that sort of like, if you, if you imagine a pyramid, mm-hmm. if you want to change the outcome or the, the actions that are happening you need to start on the base of the pyramid which is what you think or what you be, you know what you uh believe is true because that what you think and believe is theoretically going to impact and determine what you value yeah so for instance if you believe that humans are nothing more than the product of random chance and sen- sentience has no value then you know you're not going to value humans in the same way and you're going to act according to those values. Whereas if you believe that humans are made in God's image, yep. you're going to place a high value on human beings and your actions should reflect that. Absolutely. And so the, but and the, the idea then is if you want to change your life, you need to start at what you believe. And I think there's truth to that. Mm. And yet, um, it's, it's, uh, I, I think in some ways it can also work the other direction where what we do and what we, what we choose to do, uh, regularly has an impact on who we are mm-hmm. and what we value and what we believe, which is kind of a scary thing because we want to believe that we're just these rational creatures and, you know, yeah, put the proof up on the board. Great. Now I'm going to be a good person from now on. Yeah. And that's just not, it's more complicated than that. And so the thing that you mentioned in your conclusion was this transition from being a person who's doing something to being the kind of person who does something. So yeah. from doing to being or yep. from focusing on how can how how then can I live to what kind of person am I becoming? Yep. So can you t- tell us a little bit more about that because I think you said it was from the Global Leadership Summit, yeah? Yeah, it was one of the speakers there, James Clear who wrote the book Atomic Habits, which is um, probably mm. the most well-known book when it comes to habit formation. Yeah. Um and I know I think Greg Rochelle in his book uh uh, in one of his newest books, um, yeah, he also mentioned that concept of how do we change the way that we behave is really it starts with how do we see ourselves? And is if we see ourselves as a runner, you know, or as an athlete, um, then the natural outflow is so much easier for us to actually go out and run, um, you know, or go and, and do what runners do, you know, um, because that's just who we are. Or if we want to, um, you know, be a um, become smarter and um you know if we're seeing ourselves as an avid reader the natural conclusion is that our mind's going to say well then i just have to read you know um and i think the same is true in our lives of jesus and i think a lot of times we we think of disciples of jesus as maybe these people that are way more mature in our faith than we are um or we think about you know um you know the disciples that were with jesus are like well i can never be that because you know i'm not living with jesus every day well you Mm -hmm. are but you know what i mean like but not you know in that way um, 
And I think that's what my hope was, is that people will start seeing themselves as disciples and they're at open door because they want to be disciple, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, what does that mean for your daily practice? What does that mean for your, how you spend your time reading the Bible or praying to God? You know what I mean? Because that's what disciples do. And so, you know, um, so my hope was, and I know I didn't have a whole lot of time left at the end, but just to kind of shift their thinking of, don't just think about the activity, you know, because uh, then it becomes a chore. Then it becomes a task. Then it becomes something right. that I just need to check off every day. Okay, all right, I spend my, you know, I, I got through my Bible verse. But if I can't think afterwards of what did I actually just read or how does that apply to my life, mm -hmm. it was just an activity. It wasn't anything that really going to give me the transformation and the outcomes that I'm looking for. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's important for us to shift our thinking more about of who we are and how do we see ourselves versus just, okay, here's another thing I need to do to my already long list. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I really appreciated um, the way that you, and not just because I'm the discipleship pastor, but I, I really appreciated the way that you framed, these are the kinds of things that mm -hmm. disciples do. Yeah. You know, we, we recognize the call. We get in the word in a devoted way. We gather together yep. weekly. We get, we, you know, we, we do life with one another. We serve one another in love and we serve as a testament to the community, to the greatness of Jesus. Uh, we, um, we, we, uh, get serious about discipleship. We learn together. You know, all these are you know, the six D's that I've just described. Yeah, I was about but, to say but using different language, yep. uh, because that's what disciples of Jesus do. Correct. And I just, that was so, I mean, even for me, uh, such a fresh way of looking mm. at it and which like on the one hand, it's like, well, y duh, <laughs> it's like, of course, but you know, I, I, even for me, the focus can be so much on how can we encourage people to do these things rather than how can we help people to see themselves as the kind of person yeah. that, um, these things are a part of their identity. Yeah. And, uh, that's, I'm, that's, that's like food for thought for me. Mm -hmm. Cause that's a, that's a deep question, you know, both, both my own life. How can I, how can I choose or how can I influence myself so that I see myself as the kind of person who's a loving husband, or I see, I see myself as the kind of person who is, uh, you know, deeply formed by the word or who's a disciple of Jesus. And, and how can I help other people see that? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the other thing that popped into my mind while you were sharing is, um, this project I did one time where I had to write down how I wanted to be described when I was 70 years old. Mm -hmm. And, um, that gets to that sort of identity beast or yeah. you know, another way that we've done it at, uh, we actually did this at a men's retreat at, uh, at open door, hmm. which was, um, you write down, you were given a, a tombstone and an obituary and you had to write the words that you wanted on your tombstone and then write what you would want someone who knew you well yeah. to say about you at your funeral. And that was very emotional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but it was also very clarifying because I think no one, if you, I mean, if you're going to take it seriously, no one is going to sit down and just, be like, oh yeah, I want to be known as a person who was a jerk, who hated everyone. No, we we want to we want to be known mm -hmm. as people who are loving and selfless, and you know all all these sorts of things. 
and and uh, ultimately what we're what we describe is a person who loves God, loves people, and lives surrendered. Yeah. Um, and and that you know maybe that's a good way to begin to see yourself as yeah I want to be the I want to I want to be that kind of person. That's what I want my identity to be. And so then how can I live between yeah. now and then um, to to live into that identity? Um, so that's always been powerful to me. But um, for for you, was was there any one sort of? I know you had. I think you had like seven mm-hmm. uh, actions that are like next, um, a, like application points for folks. Was there was there one or two that stuck out to you in particular that like either you're working on or any anything along those lines? Um, yeah, there were a number of them. I think they all, you know, in some ways apply to me. The one that I'm most passionate about because I see people being discouraged all the time when it comes to it is, was really my last one of saying it, it's okay to lose a battle and cause you're still pursuing to win the war. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think a lot of times like we, we want to be perfect. We want to, you know, and then something, we have a setback, you know, and we're like, well, here we go. I can't do it. You know what I mean? And then we give up and I don't think that's what God wants from us. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to intentionally use the story of the marathon. Like, you know, it's a long journey. It's not a quick fix. It's not a sprint, you know. And in this journey, you're going to fall down at times. It doesn't have to mean you have to go back to the starting line and start again, you know. Just get up and keep moving forward and understand, yes, you're going to have these setbacks. And that's been my biggest prayer is because I know the enemy is out there. And so my my biggest fear has been, you know, there's been so many people listening to this message and hopefully are going to take some steps and saying, hey, I'm going to battle this. And then the enemy is going to try to distract them or try to, you know, make something happen this week or, you know, um, or giving them setbacks, which then is just going to stop, make them stop. Um, you know, but to me, it's like, no, we need to constantly pursue it. We need to constantly be aware of it and move towards how God sees us. And so um, that was one that's dear to me um, because I know there's also so many people that said, well, I've tried this. Like I've read this book or I've tried this and it didn't work. And now I'm just giving up. And this issue to me is way too important to take that risk and to just leave it aside and say, no, we need to continue to pursue it, which is love that we're going to spend the next couple of weeks as well talking about this, mm-hmm. um, you know, to constantly remind us and looking at different things, um, you know, because I think, man, if, if I know in my life, if, if, if I can make improvements on that, it's going to make an impact in all my relationships. It's going to make an impact in all my, um, you know, abilities and work and life and ministry. And you know what I mean? Like, because, because if I change, I know I make everybody better around me, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was one of them that really stuck out to me. Um, the other one, I think, just to spend some time actually thinking about your negative thoughts. Because, again, I think a lot of times mm-hmm. they happen unconsciously. Um, and we may not even be aware of which is why I wanted to draw them out in the message and say, hey, here's some common ones. And truthfully, it, it didn't take me long to come up with this list because I paid attention what people would say about themselves in front of me. You know, I'm yeah. like is this really how you see yourself? But it, sadly it is. And so, um, you know, so if you're not aware, just spend some time thinking about it and then truly just taking that piece of paper, shredding it, burning it, ripping it apart because that's <laughs> not how God sees you. Mm-hmm. Don't believe the lies. Yeah. Um, you know, just as a physical act, sometimes it helps us to make that more real as well. Yeah. I think we do struggle so much with giving ourselves grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've done a similar exercise where you write down sin that you're, having trouble letting go of or, yeah. you know, sensing God's forgiveness for, and then you, you, you light it on fire and watch it burn. Yeah. Um, and you recognize, man, it's my sins burning, not me. Correct. You know, like I've been forgiven. Uh, I've been rescued from yeah. the, from the flames, these sorts of things. Yeah. And it's a, it's powerful. 
in part because, you know, we, we recognize we are our own worst critic. And I, I've had several conversations in the last week with folks who, you know, they're like, yeah, I really want to believe that God can love me, but, you know, dot, 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 yeah. or, you know, yeah, I really want to take that next step in, in following Jesus, but dot, dot, dot. And mm-hmm. then what, what proceeds after that is, you know, I need to do this, or I have to, I have to learn more, or I need to do, like, I need to do all these things. And there's a part of me that wants to say, like, no, you don't, like, yeah. you don't need to do all you need to do is fall into the arms of the father. Yeah. You know, his grace is so big. His love is so big for you. You don't need to, you know, like for instance, you don't need to read the whole Bible six times before you decide if you want to become a Christian. Um, if that's you and you're listening, like, Hey man, more, more power to you. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. But I think sometimes when people are grappling with that sort of idea, what they're really grappling with is, have I earned it yet? Mm-hmm. Am I good enough yet? Um, do I know enough yet? When at the end of the day, the gospel doesn't require you to be good enough. Right. It doesn't require you to know enough. Uh, it doesn't require you to to do, you know, to, to accrue a certain balance before you qualify. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an immediate... Uh, completely undeserved transformation and uh, you know, the, the beginning of a journey with, with Jesus. Um, yeah. And so it, it, as we kind of round the corner um, round rounding third toward home, that's the, that's the <laughs> phrase uh, I did want to bring up one other supporting scripture that you read, which was uh, out of Romans 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it brings it out this concept that we want to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead we want to be transformed through the renewing of your minds. Yeah. And um, I want to ask in light of the fact that we have so much trouble giving ourselves grace in light of the fact that we have all these negative soundtracks that we've, we've talked about they they just sort of, they feel like they just sort of materialize. Um, when we think about the pattern of this world, um, what, where does that pattern come from or how does that pattern influence us? Or, you know, where, where are these negative thoughts coming from that they're so prevalent in our lives? Yeah. Great question. Um, I think a lot of it is just the the world that is around us, you know, and I think we hear it, we feel it, we see it all the time. You know, we're, I mean, the Bible talks about, you know, what, whatever you're, um, you know, absorbing whatever you're looking at, whatever you're seeing, it's going to transform who you are and what you're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so you need to be careful about what do you let into your life? Um, you know, and I think there is just a lot of it. And some of it even is is phrased in a good way. I mean, you made a great point of saying, you know, um, we we get influenced by the things that are happening, you know, and, and, and a lot of times we're our worst critics. And a lot of times we actually phrase it in a great way of saying, well, this is, I just don't want to be prideful, so I can't say anything good about myself. But I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. You know, I think he wants us to recognize who we are, wants us to recognize that we're not perfect and we're never going to be, uh, but we want to be on that journey. And so I think it just all depends on, um, you know, where, um, what are we filling our minds with? What are we allowing our eyes to see? Um, you know, and, and I think just understanding that our nature is already going to be negative, that most of our thoughts are going to be negative. 
Um, but at the same time, we also have an enemy that's going to try to find different ways mm -hmm. to influence us, to pull us away from Jesus, to distract us from him. Um, you know, and so I think that's just making sure that you think about that, that you're aware of that, that you're not putting yourself in positions where he's able to do that, um, you know, and, and, and then trying to keep focusing on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, um, you know, a lot, a lot of those influences, whether it's the enemy or whether it's sort of the, the brokenness of our own yeah. minds or our own hearts or the sort of comp compound results of living in a broken world in society, these sorts of things, mm -hmm. you know, God wants us to think well about things, not just because he cares about the truth, yeah. but because he wants things to go well for us. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really believe that God <laughs> wants our life to be abundant. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that bad things will never happen while we're in this life on this earth, but um, you know, God does want us to flourish mm -hmm. and he had a, he had something in mind, you know, it says it's, in Romans 12, it's don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Yeah. And I know this is not what Paul says, but he might as well say, but instead, you know, recognize the beauty of God's idea for what mm -hmm. humans are going to do you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewal language has a lot of new creation yeah. you know, motifs in it. Yeah. Um, where Paul says elsewhere, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen. It was just our memory verse. God wants to, you know, God created us. We've been broken by sin, and He wants to recreate us so that we can enjoy the life that He intended. Yeah. And so, as you're, and and a lot of times when we're when we're preaching, that's that's kind of what we want for folks. We want to be faithful to the text, and we want to preach the text. We want to apply it to people's lives so that they can live the kind of life that God intended. And so kind of in, in closing, what would you love to see in folks as, as, as a result of uh, this soundtracks series? You know, what's, what are your, what are you hoping for uh, a, like a difference to be made in people's lives? Yeah, I would, I, I mean, nothing more than, um, you know, I would love nothing more than just people seeing themselves as Jesus sees them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I do this with my wife all the time, you know, um, if she ever questions like, Hey, do you really love me? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, if you would know my heart and see what I see every time I look at you, you would never ask that question again because I so <laughs> deeply love you. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. I can't even express it in words mm -hmm. enough, you know? And then I'm thinking about God and how he looks at us. And I'm like, man, like if I love my wife that much, like, you know, I can't even imagine how God loves me. And if we can get closer and closer to that, um, I would love that to be the final outcome when people are able to let go of these, you know, the, the stuff that they've been carrying for so long by really knowing how God loves them and how he sees them and how he has created them. Mm. Um, you know, practically, like we talked about, that means maybe just, you know, being open with your life group or your men's group or women's group and just talk about those things or, you know, getting some help and saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. Who do I need to bring in this journey? Or yeah. um, just simply recognizing, hey, what are maybe some soundtracks that I'm not seeing? Or asking other people, hey, if I'm not aware, what what are you seeing in me that I may miss? You know, um, I think all those things are important steps to take us closer on that journey. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, just knowing how God sees us is going to make all the difference. But I know that's probably not going to happen until we get it to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for just that reminder of God's concern for us mm -hmm. and His love for us, and of the fact that we can we can move toward that, we can yeah. recognize that, we can change the way that we, uh, we view ourselves to be more in line with that. So I, yeah, I, I also hope that folks take that to heart and spend some time 
working through that over the next couple of weeks as we're in this series. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mark, for joining me here. This was a great conversation. Yeah, love being here. And uh, I think we'll kind of land the plane there. And so until next time, we will sign off. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.